think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. All right, we Yay. are recording. Yay. For better we did or it. for worse. We did it. We made it. This kind of, when we hit record, it kind of feels like the moment when your uh, wheels lose contact with the ground when you take off in an airplane. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can totally. I Yeah. That's that's a very similar experience. It's funny. Or feeling. It's, so un- it's like feeling. It's so, yeah. Yeah. We're taking off. Well, this time we're taking off. We're doing a short a short story time about Latin American philosophy. Yeah. So uh, welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Ooh, build in microwave, semicolon. Latin American philosophy. Yeah. Or There's... Latin American Phil Shorty is what I titled it. Phil Shorty. I was, nice. <laughs> I was feeling brief. Um, yeah. Tell me about I'm, it. I'm into the whole brevity thing. Just kidding. Uh-huh. Uh, so I didn't, I haven't learned anything about Latin American philosophy in terms of reading source texts. Like I've never had the opportunity or the situation. I've never been in the situation to be exposed to Latin American mm-hmm. philosoph- philosophical texts. So I was reading about it. I, I did not, um, you know, like cite specific references and stuff here. A lot of what I read is from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which is essentially like the most well-regarded source as far as I know for philosophy stuff on the internet. But so most of what I have to share here comes from them and um, Latin America wasn't really uh, influenced philosophically until like, it's very, uh, it's a very short history. (laughs) It's a, there's very short history. So there's traditions in Latin American philosophy uh-huh. because it's considered a branch of Western philosophy uh-huh. um, because all of American and South American, Latin American, Central American philosophy essentially got seeded here by people who s- studied and produced Western philosophy and European philosophy. So there's Eastern philosophy, which is Chinese and then Confucian, Taoist texts, um, all kinds of stuff. Indian texts, those are all considered Eastern philosophy. Then there's Western philosophy, which was like the pre-Socratics and onward, like Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. Um, Those folks were all, you know, like 2000-ish years ago. I'm like really not great with history and it's not relevant specific to this thing so far. Okay. So I'm just going to glaze over it. Okay. Um, So then Western philosophy was like European continental philosophy and like the enlightenment period and like Descartes and like, um, you know, um, Spinoza and David Hume and all these people. And then eventually people spilled over from the European continent onto the, what are now the Americas. And when they did that, they brought philosophy with them. Um, and so there's five sort of periods, uh, in Latin American philosophy the first of which is pre-Columbian, so before all of the European conquistadors came over. The second is colonial. The third is independentist. The fourth is nationalist. And the fifth is contemporary. So the pre-Columbian period was sort of um, dominated or categorized by the fact that it's not influenced at all by Western philosophy. Um, It was largely religious and cosmological, and 
there were attempts at questions such as the nature of reality, the limits of knowledge, um, what right action looks for this and what the basis, what, what the basis for right action is. Um, so how to live your life. Uh-huh. And most of these big questions and ideas persisted after the Columbus, um, invasion and conquest. So even though this stuff came from religious frameworks, it wasn't specifically or narrowly defined as religious because of the questions that were attempted um, or they, you know, they attempted to answer and ask questions like the nature of reality, limits of knowledge and right action. So it's beyond or separate from what you would expect to see in a purely religious um, sort of paradigm. Gotcha. And so uh, once, once um, Columbus made it to America, that was what was considered the colonial period, and it was very scholastic. Um, so there were around 200 years post-conquest that Iberians influenced philosophical thought in Latin America. Um, there were a couple of very specific people in the 1500s to 1700s who were influences on Latin American philosophy, including um, Alonso Veracruz, Phil de la Tritis, um, Tomas de Mercado, Antonio Rubio. Um, those folks were Western philosophers and Iberians um, and they started to kind of like shape the future of an independent framework for philosophy in Latin America that wasn't wholly dependent on Western philosophy in America or Europe. Um, sometime around like, ugh, what, when was it? Um, sometime around, well, it was a span of time, really mid 1400, so like 1468 to 1548 or so, there was a, a humanist uh, philosopher, Juan de Zumarraga, and um, Sor Juana Inez de la Cruz uh, was a woman in 1651 to, to 1695. She was alive and active as an influence. So there was a stretch of like about 150 years in total between those two people who... Um, were the first Latin American thinkers to raise questions about the status of women in Latin American society. And uh, Sor Juana Inez de la Cruz was the first Latin American feminist writer and philosopher. Oh, that's um, interesting. So that she's really remarkable because women were largely excluded from the Western philosophical tradition, especially when she was active from 1650 to about 1700. Yeah. And so um, that's a, I, to me, that indicates that this group of people who would direct the future of philosophical thought in Latin America, or they they set out from a position of already accepting that women had things to contribute, whereas for like many hundreds of years, Europe and Western philosophy has been hostile, like extraordinarily hostile to women and just excluded them from the process. So right. that was really interesting to me. Um, that it was so long ago before the 1700s and she had like a very special place in the history of Latin American philosophy. So that brings us up to the 1700s and um, that's when 
the enlightenment in Europe and modern philosophy was uh, under development. So um, the Western philosophy was mostly concerned with political thought. French people like Descartes were uh, heavily influenced metaphysical questions, but they were um, folks back then that attention philosophically was on politics. Like it wasn't, necessarily about questions of like what does it all mean right right or, right how can i be a better person it was all enlightenment political philosophy from france <laughs> i see sure. um and this had sort of a liberal influence on independent latin american thought so uh-huh. for instance um from 1731 to 1787 there was a man named francisco javier uh clavicero who was um influenced by descartes uh, Juan Benito Diaz de Gamarara, uh-huh. uh, E. Davalos, Davalos. I can't read my own handwriting. Yes, D A V A L O S, Davalos. Um, they were contemporaries. So from 1730 to about 1790, the two of them were um, influential in, in Latin American philosophy and um, took most of their signaling from, from Descartes and carried that over. Um, in the, in the, in the enlightenment, like politics from Simone de Beauvoir and, uh, Hidalgo and Morelos in Mexico, both of those people in Mexico, Hidalgo and Morelos in Mexico, um, those folks were really into this sort of tradition of politics that you saw in other Western philosophy. And they, uh, they worked in uh, Simon Bolivar was, of course, Venezuelan and Colombian influence, and then um, Hidalgo and Morelos in Mexico. So at this point, like, there weren't. Latin America was kind of like trying to figure out what their pro- political concerns even were, uh-huh. because this brings us up to like the 1800s, right? In Latin America, many countries secured independence from Europe during the 1800s right. and into up to like the 1950s. And so any idea of an independent identity wasn't really possible up until that point. There was just remains of Spanish and Portuguese empires. And so the political concerns that manifested through philosophy that was imported from Western Europe was... um sort of stretched around Latin American concerns that included the consolidation of new nations, um, the, the integration of extremely di- diverse people into those new nations. Um, so how do you draw a line around people who were just a crowd of people before and none of them came from the same place? And therefore, how do you create an identity that encompasses all of those people right. and then make that a national identity? Um, social stability was a big thing that they were concerned about in terms of politics and also economic strength and progress, like economic independence from Europe, essentially. Right. So um, all of this was met with philosophical positivism and that derives from 1850 to 1900-ish European ideas. Um, There were a number of people uh, who... Uh, who followed this, but the person who invented it or the person who conceptualized uh, positivism was Auguste Comte. And his positivism was a social and political science. Um, It was so influential. Like it 
it it was kind of like what we think of um as leading to like the scientific method for instance like how do you know what you know well i can observe this thing and i can test against the thing that i observed and see if i can make it happen again and there was like a very process oriented um the brazilian flag today says uh has the words ordem e progresso on it which is uh the philosophy of science essentially like understanding the order of things yeah and then um you know recording that and using it to your advantage Etc. Etc. Ordem right. e progresso, philosophy of science. So, um, August Comte, who is German, if I'm not mistaken, came up with the idea of positivism, <clears throat> and then that idea carried over to Latin America. And in the 1850 to 1900 range, uh, Gabino Barreda and Justo Sierra and Jose Vitorino Lasaria and Domingo Faustino Sarmento were all people, the first two Mexican, the last two Chilean and Argentinian in that order, those folks took positivism and applied it to the political concerns of the time in terms of, like, how do we use positivism to consolidate new nations? How do we use positivism to integrate different types of people? Um, So there was a, a philosophical revolt at some point. And positivism was out. And around 1930, Latin American contemporary philosophy, the, the, the contemporary period in Latin American philosophy started. So what we think of as now uh-huh. um, really became now in around 1930 when the folks who lived and worked in Latin America and were thinkers started to be able to carve out their own identity using what was imported from Western philosophy. So there was a rebellion and up through about 1940, um, there was a, a, a lot of concern um, around distancing or setting apart from or carving out a, an identity. And then by 1960, normalizing what that identity was. And so there was a lot of maturation of the ideas that had been floating around for a long time. Um, existentialism and phenomenology and Thomism and Marxism and national and cultural ideals. Um, there was a, a huge swirl of influences all at the same time. And in 1960, you got institutionalized philosophy with like um, four major influences, socialist Marxist, mm-hmm. um, analytical philosophy, the philosophy of liberation, and the history of philosophy. So socialism and Marxism, Latin American um, philosophy has always been very receptive towards socialist and Marxist potential um, and ideals. And so instead of positivism, socialism and Marxism kind of took over as the better fit for the philosophical leanings of folks in Latin America than positivism had done so far. Um, And then continental analytical philosophy, which is like Bertrand Russell and like, Oh, everything is about symbols and symbols tell you everything. Like that all came around and had some influence. The philosophy of liberation um, is essentially thoughts around and a coherent paradigm for what liberation means and what it means to accomplish it and who is it good for and all of the things. Right. And then the history of the philosophy in Latin America, there was finally enough of it 
for enough time that it began to take a shape and there were distinctions that you could make within Latin American philosophy about where it has been, where it's going, etc. Um, so socialism in Latin America is diverse and developing, but usually includes several points or commitments, no matter what an end to imperialism, colonialism and class oppression through social revolution, whether it's democratic or like full out burn the, buildings down yeah <laughs> um the second one is a socialist humanist um bent where it where there, there's a focus on ending capital exploitation of people by people um and upholds a model of dignity based on economic equality social equality and then lastly or thirdly a conception of philosophy that is committed to understanding the world in its dynamic and interrelated aspects and it focuses on theorizing the meanings of socialism and capitalism and learning how to and showing how to act accordingly. Interesting. So, yeah. So an end to imperialism, an end to capital exploitation of people with a model of dignity based on social and economic equality. Right. And a conception of philosophy that's committed to understanding the world in its dynamic and interrelated aspects um, and theorizing about the means of socialism and capitalism and doing something about it. So, um, Antonio Gramsci was around in the late 1800s to mid 1900s, uh, created a model of organic intellectuals and organic intellectuals were people who, um, support social revolution with like a critical eye. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, like a lot of academic support. Um, there was a lot of academic support for Marxism and Marxism, therefore, was an influence on Latin American philosophy. So around 1960, analytic philosophy and Marxism, um, like the the philosophies that were taking standing on their own two feet in the Latin American realm got there by looking at the United States, Canada, England, Germany, and Europe for their role models uh, about what to do after Marxism. And... Um, out of that, out out of that sort of focus, human rights, legal theory, and logic came to be uh, really important hallmarks of Latin American philosophy in the mid 1900s. So there was a man named Eduardo Rabossi, um, Newton, a man named Newton C. A. Da Costa, yeah, um, and Carlos Eduardo Altruan. Uh, those philosophers came up with the basis for most of the philosophy that took place in the mid 1900s. So um, Eduardo Robossi covered human rights. Um, Carlos Ninos developed Latin American legal theory. Um, he developed the philosophy of law and consensual theory of punishment. Um, his, he has contributed, Carlos Ninos contributed considerably um, lots of original thought to philosophy and jurisprudence. And right. so um, that was like original work that was super influential and very important and is, is modeled widely at this point. Um, but I had no idea, which is crazy and wrong. Um, Carlos Eduardo uh, Alcocheron did the, um, did a lot of work on logic. Yeah. 
and Newton C. A. DaCosta also did a lot of work on logic. So there was a lot of like really good work that came out of Latin American philosophy that was very original and um, wasn't like other stuff that was going on in Western philosophy because of military repression in Latin America between 1976 and 1983. Yeah. There was all kinds of interest in Latin America that had nothing to do with philosophy, but because everyone's attention was on it, um, the philosophy of liberation and Argentine philosophy blended Marxism, Catholicism, intellectual independence. Um, it centered on third world realities as opposed to thinking everything everywhere happens. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, they developed dependence theory, economic autonomy and politics centered around people who were poor and indigenous. And so because of the military repression and the international attention, Latin American philosophy kind of got a signal boost and uh, critiques in American and Eurocentric sort of dominions of intellectual and social and economic worlds paid attention. And um, there was a little bit more regard for people who weren't the, the stereotypical participants in those conversations. Um, so the last little bit that I wanted to talk about was there were two things that really stuck out to me as important. Um, the feminist philosophy in Latin America and Latin American philosophy now. So like in the first part of the 21st century, yeah. um, compared to the United States, Latin American feminist philosophy centers around family class and ethnicity. Uh, it's very reflexive and self-critical. There's an acknowledgement of philosophy as a, um, as culturally privileged and distant from living conditions in most of Latin America. And so Latin American feminist philosophy chooses to focus on the things that are not represented already overwhelmingly in Western philosophy. Um, <clears throat> I think partly as a result of that focus on family and class and ethnicity since the 1990s, <clears throat> a sort of identity in Latin American philosophy developed that focuses on Latino issues or Latinx issues with regard to metaphysics and epistemology and the history of philosophy. Um, the rights of Amerindians, rights of indigenous people, the respect and duties of governments claiming jurisdiction over those people is a really big topic in Latin American philosophy. The identity of the people involved is a big um a big thing that Latin American philosophy is concerned with. So in other words, like there's I Iberians, Amerindians, Africans. And when, you know, when, when Latin America was figuring out who it was and what its political concerns were in the early 1800s, it decided that it was going to race was rejected as a divider of people. It just wasn't seen as a useful metric. There were way too many people from way too many places and it wasn't, important to the structure of their national identities um, to make that distinction along skin color or other national lines. And so right. um, if you're not going to divide people up or draw circles around people because of that, you have to think of other constructive ways to do that. Um, so a lot of the 
philosophy engages and draws on Latin American history and race and ethnicity and gender identities, and it confronts them and handles them in a way that Western philosophy and other philosophical traditions really haven't. Um, there's also philosophical anthropology that takes place, and that's the scientific conception of humans uh -huh. and what is and discussions around what is Latin American's philosophical identity. Is it original? Is it derivative? Is, what is it made of? What's its identity? Is there such a thing as Latin American philosophy? And if you say yes, you have to be able to say, well, then what is it? So is it existential? Um, and what are the distinguishing marks and features and characteristics? So authenticity, identity, existential questions and the characteristics are the things that Latin American philosophy is kind of like grappling with and just trying to figure out what its identity is. And that's that's what I learned. That's the whole thing. That's the whole story. That's super fascinating. Um, yeah, it's very like, it seems very straightforward. Like It seems very... Like, there was a lot of bullshit in Western philosophy and people being like, well, this is the way things are. And, like, uh -huh. asking questions that get real kind of esoteric. And when you're talking about who your neighbor even is and what you guys call each other, that shit just doesn't have that big of an influence on how you process. Right, right. How you think about yourself, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, I am not of this. I am not of Latin American philosophy, so... This is all news to me, and I have lists of philosophers that I need to read now. Yeah, um, you know, especially um, Sor Juana Inez de la Cruz, because I want to read more lady philosophers. Yeah, I mean they're not well um, voiced in traditional history, so um, if you can get access at them, that's it's definitely a treasure. Yeah, so there you go. You got a little. You learned something today about. Yeah, that's brand. awesome. Well, thank oh, you. Uh, yeah. Not well enough regarded branch of Western philosophy that at some point probably just shouldn't be considered Western philosophy anymore, but I don't know when we're going to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Okay. Well, um, maybe as things develop, we can do update to this one, but oh. um, I'm not going to pest you with too many questions because I think uh, we can call that a good short. People can digest this on their own and be Yeah. Happy. And if you need spellings of people's names and stuff, I can email them. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, we have email, or you can um, call. You can email our executive assistant. Yeah, if you Dana. if you get it, Dana Dana at fcbm.io, she'll uh, get back to you pretty quickly. I'm pretty sure she's pretty on yeah. top of it. Okay, all right, all right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.